We work hard, we play hard. We are gamerpreneurs. Individuals who have chosen to give up the security of a nine to five in favor of getting to set our own hours, of doing the work that we want to do, and we refuse to give up the hobby that we grew up with in order to quote, grow up. We have learned countless laws of life and sales from the games that we play, and we excel in everything we do. We see the wonder and glory in every interaction. We fit in awkwardly with the rest of the world because they don't understand our quirkiness, and we wear it as a badge of pride. We are focused, clear, and know what we want. We are gamerpreneurs, and we are taking over the world. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Redeeming Monk, aka David. Hey there, David. How's it going? I'm fantastic. It's a beautiful day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? I can't complain. It's a nice day in North Carolina, too. Which part of North Carolina? Uh, Raleigh. That's a, that's a beautiful area, not too far from the base. No, no, no. It's a, it's a great place. Uh, the capital, it's really close to everything. It's a good place to be. All right. So, uh, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so, I'm a, a video game design instructor. Uh, I teach uh, kids how to make video games. Uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm playing video games because it's a passion of mine. Um, I write poetry in my free time. I do photography. Uh, I... I give volunteer service. I teach uh, middle school and elementary school kids how to make games. Wow, you're a renaissance man, aren't you? I try. That's, that's the life's goal right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I start every interview uh, with a question. I'm going to ask you the same thing I ask everybody else. On a scale of one to ten, how weird are you, sir? Ooh, I would say a nine, maybe. <laughs> Why is that? Uh... That's usually how people leave a conversation with me. It's like, it was a weird conversation, but it was a good one. So from a general consensus, uh, I think I've gathered enough weird statements to call myself a nine. Now, here's the thing though. Is that normal society calling you that or is that other gamers? Ooh, that would definitely be normal society. So when you're with your people though, we're not, we're not weird. No, I'm just a regular guy, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, why don't you go ahead and tell me, like, you're an instructor. What, like, how did you get into that? Uh, it, was, it was actually uh, an accident. Um, I went to college to be a computer science uh, major. Um, I kind of fell into this applied engineering program, and they had a concentration in game design. Um, and it was something I've always been interested in as a gamer. You kind of always want to know what's behind the veil. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with that. And I've always had a passion for teaching and kind of sharing knowledge uh, with other people. Um, so it just kind of seemed like a perfect fit. Um, before that, I was a, a poetry major. Um, so I actually have a degree in poetry as well. Um, and the next thing I know, somebody had opened up an academy to teach kids how to make games. And I was like, that's where I need to be. And wow. here I am. So that's quite a, quite a leap going from poetry to computer science to game design. It was, a, it was a long, funny story. That, that's the best way I can describe it. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, so I actually, I went to uh, NC State. Um, the, in my opinion, the greatest university on earth. Um, and when I got in, I was just missing the cusp of being an engineer. Um, so I was going to, my plan was to transfer into engineering. So I was taking a lot of computer science classes to kind of prepare for that. Um, but my, one of my main passions has always been poetry. 
Um, so I was working on a second degree at the time and somebody had put up some flyers about a new major on campus, uh, this applied engineering major. And I was like, that seems really interesting. Um, so I kind of stopped in and, and kind of heard them out and they basically said it was engineering without all the math. I was like, I hate math. That sounds that awesome. There's engineering without the math. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, this is great. Now they ended up being math, but it was a lot of practical stuff. Um, so we built like hydrogen fuel cell cars and we did like rocket test flights. So we did a lot of actual math in a practical sense and less more of the theory that a typical engineering uh, degree would have. Um, so I just kind of fell into the perfect program for me, I guess. Okay. So like how... Um how does it go being an instructor? Like you get all these, these fresh young bloods in and, and you, you break them and teach them the real world or what? It's funny. So uh, they come in with kind of this misconception of what game design is. Um, and kind of the first thing I always have to tell them is that everybody in the game industry is an idea man. So if you're, if you just want to be an idea man, you're, you're a dime a dozen. Um, so you have to, you have to have some kind of talent, some kind of other driving passion besides having just these ideas. Um, so I have kids from all over the place, uh, kids who want to be writers and kids who just want to make music and sound effects to kids who I love programming, but I also want to be an artist or art is my passion and that's all I want to do. I just want to see my art on the screen. So I always have to take all these, these kids from all these different backgrounds and these different places and kind of make them see that they have to work with all these different people and communicate with all these different people to make this one piece of art. Um, that gets shared with millions and millions of people. That's so cool. Now, when you say kids, are we talking like high school kids? Are we talking college age kids, middle school? Like what, what's the range? Um, so I'm employed as a, a high school teacher. Uh, so I teach anywhere from nine to 12th grade. Um, but I also, on my after school hours, um, I manage a after school program that teaches little kids uh, from anywhere from six to about 15 how to program. And a lot of that is teaching them how to make games. Now that's really cool. Did you like ever assume you would be here in life? Like you started out wanting to do poetry and now you're, you're working with kids. Yeah. I never thought about it. Uh, even when I was in high school and I was, they were trying to tell you like, you got to pick a career and you got to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. Teacher never kind of came up as like a little checkbox. Um, so when I ended up in a school building, um, I had to go back and call a lot of people and be like, I'm sorry, I'm a teacher now. <laughs> I owe you a lot of apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all your old friends are like, what are you doing? <laughs> I still get some questions like that. <laughs> okay, so uh, you're a gamer. How long have you been a gamer? Uh, I would say I became a, a serious gamer around five. Uh, I got my first Game Boy. Uh, me and Dr. Mario, we, we spent a lot of time together. Um, and I think ever since then, I just kind of fell in love with gaming, um, from the, the stories, the characters, uh, to those touching moments that, that they just orchestrate so well, to the music, uh, to those, those great uh, friendships and camaraderies you have online. Um, everything about gaming has is, is just been kind of uh, a helping partner uh, in my life. Absolutely. Now I have to ask, do you wear glasses? Because I used to have a Game Boy too, and I remember trying to play late at night, and you know, you're driving, you know, and you got the, the street lamps, right? Yes. So at the time I didn't wear glasses, but I think all the years of gaming um, have, have worsened my eyesight. So now I do wear glasses. You know, kids today have it easy because we really had a struggle to play. I'm telling you. 
just in the car, you have all these accessories just to kind of like see the screen, magnifying glasses and like little lamps. You remember uh, that, the, the giant magnifying glass that go over the yes. game? <laughs> oh man, I had like three of them. But it didn't it come crazy. with a light. You had to have a separate light for it. <laughs> yes, yes. Someone who understands the pain. Oh, it's tough. Uh, all right. So, um, you know, I, I'm always trying to get people to understand that they can do it too. That they don't have to be the person that was told that they're lazy, that they're unmotivated, basement dwellers, you know, all those stereotypes we hear about gamers. So what, what would you say people have to do in order to be able to follow you in your footsteps? It's, it's funny because uh, I can't say I got to where I am by myself. Um, just like any, any gamer knows, you have to have a strong team behind you if you want to pull out a win. If you're going to do anything in life and you're going to succeed, you have to have strong people behind you kind of motivating you and pushing you to succeed um, from anywhere from my good friends to my, my family. They've always been supportive in anything I've wanted to do and kind of pushed me to achieve those dreams. Um, and aside from having motivators and people to push you, you got to be unafraid to take a chance to, to take a shot. Um, Cause a lot of the things that you, you experience in life are going to be new. And if you're too afraid to kind of go up to the challenge, then nothing's really going to change for you. Absolutely. You know, be willing to fail. Be willing to fail that's, a that's lot because that's the only way to yes. learn. You know, people will say, oh, I learn more from winning. I don't believe them because when you fail, it means you have to figure out what you did wrong in order to do it better the next time. Come back stronger. That's right. Um, now, you were just talking about uh, mentors. You know, how important are mentors, you know, for you in your, your journey? And as you see these kids coming up, how important do you think they are for them? I don't think I'd be who I am today without some of the mentors um, that I've uh, curated over the years. And it, it's not even a, I was seeking them out. Um, it was more of, they saw something in me that they, they could help with, or we just vibed on, on such a level that they wanted me to succeed or do better. Um, and those people have been great influences in my life. And until this day, I still communicate with a lot of them and, it's just, it's been such a massive help through my entire life. My professional life, my personal life, they've always been there for me with, with some kind of advice or, or guiding light that uh, I don't think I would be as successful as I am today without those people. Yeah, wonderful. Now, how would you recommend somebody go and find a mentor? I mean, as a, a teacher, you're kind of in one of those situations that you're, you're forced with people who can see you as a mentor, but maybe somebody who's already out of school, what do you think they should do? Uh, I always suggest that people surround themselves with people like them. Um, if you're a gamer, go do meetups. Uh, there are meetup groups and, and the group me's and all that kind of stuff that, that are out there for the gaming community. And if you put yourself out there, you will find people that you resonate with and you will be able to kind of share your, your goals and your aspirations with, and they'll be able to help you reach those spots. Um, but if, you, if you're not willing to put yourself out there, no one's going to come up to you and just say, I see something in you that I think I can help you with. You have to be willing to actually put yourself on the line and say, I'm here and I'm ready to do what it takes. Fantastic. All right. Um, do you intend to stay a teacher for a while or, or you know, do you have other aspirations you're looking to go up to? I would love to start my own gaming company one day. Um, I've always had a strong passion for gaming. Um, and I, I feel that there's always another story to be told or another adventure around the next corner. And I would love to be 
on the forefront of that, making those journeys, making those adventures for people to enjoy. Um, aside for that, um, one of my biggest dreams is to actually be a, a professor of poetry um, at a university. All right, that's that's wonderful. You know, when when do you plan on doing that? Uh, I I couldn't tell you. Um, every year I, I think about it. Um, I have kids who say, you know, are you going to be here next year? You're going to be here next year. You know, I'm so excited for next year. And as a as a teacher, it, it kind of hurts to say, you know, I'm I'm leaving or I'm not going to be here because you you do build a, a bond with those those kids and you do teach them things that no one else can really understand. Um, especially being as old as I am. They, they look at me and he's like, you know what a, a game is? You've, you've heard of this game or you can talk games with me. And they just, you can see the light in their eyes just kind of open up because there are a lot of people, even their own age, who doesn't, who don't understand that. And it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who understands where you're coming from and is able to kind of relate to that. Absolutely. I mean, I started this whole podcast because when I was growing up, my parents told me I was lazy. Cause I was just sitting around playing video games. So, you know, you go to school and you don't tell anybody about what you do because you know, there's the stigma at home. And then you, you have a hard time making friends cause you don't fit in with everybody else. You're not normal according to society. So, um, you know, when you see these kids, um, do you, do you think they still have that kind of issues that, you know, maybe you and I grew up with? I do see it in some of them. Um, I don't think it's as bad. I, I feel like I see a lot more of gamers and a lot of different people. Um, even, I used to coach football and even my footballers would be, you know, we're going to go play some NHL or we're going to play some 2K and they would love those sports games. But you see the, those more hardcore gamers, you know, the guys playing Magic the Gathering in the corner or the guys that they pull out their switch every moment they have. Those, those guys, they kind of feel like they're on the outskirts. Um, but I would say there are more of them now than there was back in, in our time. But uh, there are still a few out there who, who feel isolated, I suppose. All right. Let's talk about you as a gamer. All right. Um, you said you started playing way back in the day. Uh, nope. What's your favorite game? I mean, you've had a lot of experience over the years. I have. Uh, I get that question a lot, actually, and it's, it's always hard to answer. Um, I would say in the, the recent years, my favorite game would probably be uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, it's, it's just a, a chemistry experiment of gaming, I like to say. Um, almost anything that you can think of is possible and it's just an amazing piece of work that I can even do that um getting out of quest or ruining quest because you tried something and it didn't work and to me that's the best part of gaming is just experimenting with the world that you've been given and, and seeing what happens to that that world when you kind of play with the the elements Okay. Now, uh, I don't think I've ever asked anybody this one, but are you the kind of person who's more cautious when you play? Or are you the kind who just rushes headlong in? So my best friend, former Marine, he doesn't care if his character dies. He's just going to run in and see what happens. Whereas I'm like, no, let's like strategize and figure out how to beat this. It's funny. Uh, I, I'm actually a little bit of both. Um, depending on who I'm playing with, I don't know if I'm very familiar with them, I'm probably that crazy guy who's running head in first and they're just like, uh, not again. But if I'm playing by myself, I'm, I'm typically very cautious. You know, I'm, I'm looking around corners. I'm like checking my gear, make sure I got what I need. But uh, if, I, if I have a good friend group behind me and I, I trust them to have my back, going head first, I'll be the first man in every time. All right. Now, uh, what games or updates are you looking forward to coming out? Oh, wow. Um, so Tokyo Mirage Sessions uh, dropped today for the Nintendo Switch. And I've been eager to get my hands on that for a while now. Um, I love Atlas. They make, they make fantastic games, great stories. Um, uh, Frostpunk is releasing their new DLC last autumn on the 21st. And the Frostpunk's uh, survival 
series is just so good and it's so difficult and and that's really what I love about games now that I'm older um, it's just the pure challenge how hard can this game really get and and they do such an excellent job of making it uh, a survival sim but it's still a management type game and it, there's just so much that you have to keep track of and it, it can get away from you so quickly and I just I just love it so much so it's interesting to kind of get a prequel to that frozen wasteland survival sim very cool. So then, like, what's your kind of favorite genre? Sounds like you play a lot, but, like, if you had to pick one, like, on Desert Island kind of situation. Uh, I'm a connoisseur of, of games, so I do have a lot of genres, but my favorite is always going to be a good RPG. Oh, I'm right there with you. With right there with you. More, more tears been shed because of RPGs and probably anything else in my life. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Final Fantasy Nine. you know, bring me my dagger every time. Oh, every time. Please. Uh, such a touching, touching stories. And then you get so attached to the characters. And by the time you finish the game, you feel like you've been on this massive journey for years with all these characters. And you almost want to start right over as soon as you're done. It's, I can never get enough of it. Oh yeah. So if it's all right, I, I'd like to humble you for a second. So we've talked about where you've come from and how you've, you've you know, been able to grow and be successful in your life. But I'd like to ask you, what's something that you have failed at? And I'm asking because I want people to understand that you, you can screw up in life and still end up somewhere. I completely agree with that. Uh, ooh, it, it's tough because I've had so many incidents in my life where I failed. Um, but I think uh, the reason I'm not teaching uh, poetry at a college right now is um, I've had difficulties getting accepted to a uh, master's of fine arts program. Um, they usually take about uh, six to eight students per year. Uh, so it's a very, very competitive program. And uh, I've just had difficulties um, getting in. Um, and I was uh, recently published by the North Carolina Poetry Society. And I was like, this is the year. Congratulations. Um, so I kept applying. Thank you, thank you. And I kept applying, I kept applying, and I just kept getting these rejection letters. And eventually I had to kind of take a step back and, and realize that it wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It was just that I wasn't representing myself I wasn't prepared to represent myself. Um, so I took that as kind of a, a time to step back and really work on my craft um, personally and kind of experience my craft from within myself um, before presenting it to someone else. So um, that's what I've been doing over the last couple of years. And um, that's actually how I met uh, Billy Williams. Um, we kind of did a poetry club together, um, teaching kids how to write poetry. And uh, that man has been an amazing uh, motivation um, for me as far as my writing has gone. Um, he always is is very uh, very supportive and he's he's always got kind of that that drive and passion to be like oh you've, you sparked this fire in me and he really makes you want to kind of hit him back with that same kind of passion and, and drive so it it's nice to kind of have somebody who does something so niche um and still kind of has that ability to kind of spark you up oh yeah i love coach williams i'm gonna have to have him back on the show like we we only had half a conversation really <laughs> and we went for like an hour like i couldn't believe the time flew by so I want to talk about poetry. I mean, poetry is different from gaming, but just like gaming, it really is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, it doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to exactly have structure. It could just be artistic in, in a lot of senses. So like, how, how would you go about judging poetry like you would judge a game? And that's, uh, that's always something that we kind of talk about um, when we – when we teach kids um, how to how to read poetry, how to study poetry, um, you can look at it from a what I like to call an educational standpoint, where you look at the the rhyme and the meter and and the word choice, 
but then you also have to kind of look at it from an emotional standpoint. And when you, when you judge a piece on the wholeness of it, how well was it crafted, but also how well was the message presented in that piece? Um, so you really kind of have to analyze it from those two perspectives if you really want to give it its whole worth. Because it is, like you said, an art form, um, and it is in the eye of the beholder. But even then, beauty, in art at least, can be kind of tied to central concepts. And how we look at that as a whole is how I feel you judge a piece of work. And sometimes it just needs to be improved upon to really hit that high note, um, so to speak. Okay. And I mean, obviously everything you just said really does translate right over to video games because a game isn't just the story. It's not the graphic. It's, it's the music. It's the, the ambiance. It's, it's all of it. That's very true. Um, I, I always have an exercise that I tell my kids to go home and play their favorite game on mute. And to really see how that dynamic changes, how the, the background noise is actually aiding them in playing from the way the footsteps are working to the, the breathing of the enemies to even how the music shifts when the tension is getting higher. And, and they come back and they always say, like, that was actually really hard to do. Or I'd never really noticed how much that the soundtrack was kind of helping in that experience and that immersion of the game. And everything in gaming just ties together so well. And that's, that's the beauty of gaming, is that all these different pieces are coming together to make this one beautiful piece of work. Oh, wonderful. I, I know horror games, you turn off the sound, it's not scary anymore. Just like no. horror movies, you turn <laughs> off the sound, you know, he's behind the door, whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanna know, like, what advice would you have for someone who's looking to get into game design? Uh, obviously, they, it's not just game design, they have to pick kind of an angle to get in at. Um, so I've had an opportunity to, to visit a lot of studios in North Carolina, uh, Insomniac Games, uh, Red Storm, Epic, and I always ask that question, um, what are you guys looking for when you, when you hire somebody? And they, they all really say the same two things. Someone who can work on a team and someone who is motivated outside of work. Um, so you talk to any artist, programmer, um, designer, they have personal projects that they do. So they, they work all day on these, these great games that we love and they come home and then they, they do their own thing. And if you want to be in the game industry, you kind of have to have that same kind of drive and passion to be able to leave work and that you've been doing all day and come home and still have enough in you to want to do more. And Anybody can design a game. Um, you don't need to be a, a college professor. You don't need a degree in computer science. Um, all you need is a computer. Uh, really, all you need is paper and pencil. I mean, board games, fantastic. We've gotten great board games in the last decade. Um, and that's a great way to start kind of building your games, making your own board games or redesigning games. I mean, how many versions of Monopoly have we seen over the years? Um, just redesigning one of your favorite games and adding rules to it and customizing it. If you really want to be a game designer, anything can become a game. Wonderful, that's wonderful advice. Um, what else do you wanna talk about? Like I, you're quite a different guest than I've ever had on before. So like, if you wanna just start spouting knowledge, I'm, I'm more than willing to listen. <laughs> uh, I, I just love gaming. Um, like I've, I've, I've said before, um, I really feel that gaming has saved my life. I was a, a military brat, um, so I moved around a lot. Um, both my parents served over 20 years in the army. Uh, so I've been to Europe and I've been to Alaska and Canada. Um, so moving around a lot as a kid, it was tough making friends because you never know how long you'd be in town. Uh, it could be six months or three years. 
And the next thing you know, you're packing your bags. Um, so it was, it was tough making friends at a young age. Um, so gaming, I really do feel has saved my life. Um, and the fact that I, I could always make friends kind of quickly um, because I had that common ground with them. Or um, if I moved, I could always have access to those people again. Um, I still play video games with some people I met um, from over the, across seas. Um, and we chime in all the time. Uh, we play you know, Halo together and we play Monster Hunter together. And we just kind of build that strong rapport. And I can say that some of those people are, till this day, some of my, my strongest and closest friends. Fantastic. All right, David, how do people find you? How do they get in touch with you? What's, where are you out on social media? Uh, I'm actually kind of a social media pariah, but um, I do have a Twitter, um, at Redeeming Monk. Um, if you want to find me there, um, I do have an Instagram, um, at Dead Street Poet. Um, and it's purely poetry related. Um, so if you'd like to drop in and kind of see some of my poems and, and maybe have a chat or maybe you get inspired and you want to write back and we can go back and forth, you can always find me on Instagram at, at Dead Street Poet. Um, or Twitter, if you want to talk more games, I'm at Twitter at Redeeming the Monk. Wonderful. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Like, this was so cool getting to talk to someone who actually teaches game design. Yeah, I appreciate it. Glad for having me here. All right. Well, on that note, gamerpreneurs, hit up Redeeming Monk on Twitter and Instagram, or it's a Dead Street Poet on Instagram. And this is yep. David, and on that note, I'm going to say, you all take it easy. Hey, if you like this podcast, I'd love to invite you to check out a little bit more about me, Dr. Bradford Carlton, the Gamerpreneur. If you go to my website, www.thegamerpreneur.com slash bonus, I'm going to give you a free copy of my book, The Warcraft of Business, where I explain my history in both gaming and business and how I brought the two together in order to create some very successful companies and help a lot of people. And all you got to do is pay for shipping and processing, and I'll send you this book. I absolutely know you're going to love it. All right. You all take it easy.